Global warming has ruined the planet. We can't fix it anymore, not without divine help. Wait, I'm springing for this call? Thanks a lot, guys. Even Skype doesn't cover calls off this earthly realm. If it bothers you that much, I'll pay for it already. Let's hope I get lucky and somebody is available to solve our problems. Hello, sir. We here at the Heavenly Branch of the Make-A-Wish Foundation will gladly listen to your dilemma, but only after you fill out the required paperwork that is necessary for any angelic intercession. We can do this. Let's see. Average texture of the landscape, composition of the atmosphere by region, historical mean of inflation across all civilizations? I don't understand why a divine being would need so much elaboration with the dangers the Earth presents. Just for insurance purposes? How do you insure heavenly beings anyway? All paperwork must be completed in triplicate before divine assistance can be submitted to the proper channels for managerial consideration pending provisional approval. This is standard in any case requiring terrestrial salvation. Okay, we're finally done. And Earth is all better? An alien race stopped by and fixed the planet? That leaves us with enough paper to keep a whole city insulated. Great. My calculations are correct. When this baby hits 88 miles per hour, you're going to see some serious shit. Three, two, one. RPGs from the 1980s right up through yesteryear. Brought to you by the staff of RPGamer.com, we tackle the good, the bad, and the ugly games from nearly 30 years of RPG history. So sit down and hold on tight. Your next adventure is about to begin. Here are the hosts of RPG Backtrack, Phil Willis and Mike Meeky. Welcome to RPG Backtrack. This is episode, webisode, podcast number 89, a quartet of quintet. And I'm your co-host, Phil Willis, and this is my good friend, partner, and co-host. I am known as Mike Minky in many circuits, and in other circuits, well, we'll just leave those be, because we don't need to know what they are. And we are ready to talk about a bunch of... Okay, what's the name of the series of games anyways? Is there like it's, one name it, that represents the series? It's not It's not technically a series in that there's no overarching narrative, but they all deal with the theme of, here's a planet, it's completely despoiled and depopulated, you go in there, make it better. So a game that, uh, or a, a game, a podcast that, uh, that has, uh, that features uh, four uh, main games needs uh, four people. So aside from Mike and myself, we've also got Mr. Michael Apps. How are you doing? And Mr. Nathan Schlothen. Always happy to be here. Y'all do anything fun, new, and exciting lately? Ready to talk about gay uh, Blazer Enigma Saga games? Um, yeah. I'm, the, I'm giving the quartet my own title now. <laughs> what did you just call it? Yeah, it's the guy. He just created a new Kawazu game that never existed. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, you got Soul Blazer, Illusion of Gaia, Terranigma, and Grandstream Saga. So we just kind of put this all in a blender, mix it up, and we come up with Guy Blazer Miga Saga. 
Now it sounds like a console name. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Coming soon. Coming soon. Right after the PlayStation 4. Shoot. The new Amiga. All righty. Uh, so we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back after these commercial messages. games on our main event today um we're gonna start off talking about soul blazer yeah because it's the first one on the list not even sure if it's the first one to come out is it the first one to come out mike yes it is okay cool and soul blazer was released in japan on january 31st 1992 in north america november 27th 1992 this was developed by quintet published by enix this is a single player action rpg for your super nintendo entertainment system home console and I'm going to let you guys take it, because if I play this, I don't remember. <laughs> okay, uh, well, I'll just say, plot-wise, it's reminiscent of Quintet's earlier act raiser in that you are a nameless uh, mute guy who is just sent by the power of divinity. Because there's a planet, and by gum, you're going to go fix everything that's wrong with it. Well, okay. In, the, in Act Tracer, you control the master, which is right. you know, basically the god. In this one, you're the servant of the master. So, slight difference there. Slight difference, yes. Uh, I, I wouldn't want to confuse it any further than that, but it does strike me as a little bit similar. Yeah, it definitely is. Especially with mm. the master everywhere. Yes. I didn't even realize that Quintet made Act Racer. To be honest. Yes, and Quintet also made Act Razor 2, but we'll just forget about that. Yes. Yeah, let's forget about Act Razor 2. Best not to talk about that in Polite Company. Okay, Soul Blazer. Well, if you come in here expecting a grandiose plot, you will be disappointed. Yeah, basically, but... evil empire went kind of wrong, or even when not, it's not so evil empire went kind of wrong, uh, basically, giant evil demon king thing got summoned everyone died or something close to that it's your not job just everyone that, everything yeah everything <laughs> the buildings died the trees died everything died and it's now it's your job to basically get their souls back and return them all to being normal so the world isn't just a blank empty slate pretty straightforward kill monsters get souls back yep and you do that by going into the dungeons and two kinds of monsters await you but well Lots more than that, but two general kinds. Those that come out of monster nests, and once you kill them all, the nest goes away and something comes back to life in town. Yay. Or just the monsters that pop out of lakes that float around on their own, and you can never really get rid of them. But that's fine, because that means you can grind off them if you have to. <laughs> and, oh yes, aren't you just awarded some princess who you happen to rescue as a... Here, here's this princess. You can have her at the end of the game. I think it's no more that there's a girl you, re- you help save early in the game. I think she's like Dr. Leo. Basically, in this game, there's this guy named Dr. Leo who I think made the evil demon summoning machine. But like everything like everything related to him, like his pet dog or his daughter and everything. Are or the mouse characters. that lives in his room. Or the mouse that lives in his room are all major characters you need to save for each chapter. His daughter is one of them, and I think she falls in love with the main hero in the ending or something. Okay, yeah, she wasn't a princess, but 
actually she had more to do with the plot than I remembered, so thank you. <laughs> Let's yeah. see. So not a, a random princess, but close enough. Yeah, well, more or less. This is a game with it doesn't have exactly a deep plot, or it doesn't have a character who says a single line, or even has any kind of backstory other than he's the servant of the master. But uh, I guess we're just supposed to assume that the master created him out of nothing and said. I'm too busy to do this on my own. Here, you go take care of it and then beat my rival at the end. <laughs> yeah, basically. Something like that. I guess the Everybody's... master got lazy over the years. Or something. Just, you know, his way of doing his job is to send you to do all this work for him. Oh, well. Well, let's see. I remember each of the dungeons being very distinct, at least, and posing a unique hazard to you. Yeah, there's like there's each one town for each world, and each world also has its own dungeon, and you need to fight your way through them. Uh your own abilities are pretty static. You've got lots of swords and lots of spells. And spells come out of a magical sphere which kind of orbits around the character rather than the character themselves, which is kind of interesting. Yeah, and that's kind of annoying because the sphere just rotates around and you need to time it correctly if you're going to use a spell because otherwise it will just fire off uselessly somewhere else than you would want it to go. <laughs> yeah, which is definitely kind of annoying. Also, this has got this thing where swords can either slash or thrust, depending if you've got enough high enough level to use the sword, you can slash, but you can use the thrust of the sword even much higher level than you, which is an easy way to beat bosses, actually. Just since you just hold the sword in front of you and it keeps doing constant damage, which <laughs> destroys the first boss of the game. I also remember if you can fix it so that an enemy is just a little to the right of you, then because you're right-handed, your sword will hang there for a couple of frames and do more damage than it would if it was right in front of you. Ah, really? That's kind of cool. Yeah, I don't, I don't think I ever noticed that. I think I ended up killing several things enough that I started to notice stuff like that. Yeah, I just mostly used the whole thrust, hold the sword in front of you, constantly stab everything kind of approach. That generally worked. <laughs> it did. You will not find sophisticated enemy AI that requires you to try and get around behind them. Uh, yeah, well, it's definitely an easy game. Very much so. Especially yeah, if you take advantage of those, those giant glowing balls in the final area that give out tons of experience so that you can fight the evil god at the end. Yep. I have, what's his name again? I don't know. Tenzra? Oh, Death Toll. Death Toll. Yeah, Tenzra. Where did I come up with that? It must have been thinking of the Act Razor. Yeah, that must have been Act Razor. Uh, there's a dungeon underwater where you need to have the bubble armor equipped constantly or else, whoops, you drowned. Too bad. Yeah, there's lots of enemies made of metal, which you need to either zap with lightning, which is I thought was kind of fun, or to cut apart with a sword you get very late in the game, which means lots of running from them earlier on. Yeah, fortunately, they just have this little pattern of running around a certain block. But if you get in their way, ow, that hurt. And it's just the whole you have to chase them all down later in the game once you get the metals, the killing sword. It's true. Once you get that sword, you have to go back because you will need to unlock the people. Was it just one or were there more who are accessed by killing that monster trap? Uh, quite a few, I think. Okay. Especially if you hadn't killed the ones with lightning back in the island area. Yes, definitely. So even though it looks linear and it kind of is, you will need to go back at points just to kill the monsters that couldn't earlier. Yeah, that's that's the kind of neat thing about this is there's a real incentive to kind of explore every last bit of the dungeons because, you know, there's a lot of a lot of townsfolk to find. So, you know, it gives you a reason to go to search through every area. And it was really cool seeing towns go from, you know, blank slates to these big elaborate towns. It was yeah. Just piece yeah, by piece. It, it is, yeah. Really that's, that's a really interesting concept, just 
go in there and if you come out after as long as you can stay in the dungeon, then you'll go from having just a blank field to a couple dozen people in that town with their houses. Apparently their houses were sealed up with the people. <laughs> yeah. If you there's occasional ways to save a person and then if you don't save their house beforehand, you'll see this torn apart painful soul which is like screaming in agony at you because it doesn't have a house to go back to because you didn't save a person required beforehand. It actually makes you feel kind of bad, but weird too. I don't think I ever did that just because it's really hard to walk past those enemies when they're all getting right in your face and demanding to be killed. Yeah, it is really hard to not do, but I guess if you don't step on the switches enough or something, because you need to actually step on the nest they come out of after killing them all in order to set the person free. So if you walk past after that, you won't necessarily free them. That's right, yeah. Um, let's see. So you've got your vaguely Egyptian-inspired location after going through a swamp. And, and you've got the entirety of the lab of Dr. Leo, which is well, really big. And also some the, his own like wargaming tables or whatever they are. Just big yes. miniatures you to send them down into. And some of those uh, enemies are really hard to spot. Yeah, it was definitely an interesting experience. And honestly, there's not a whole lot to say about this unless... Well, I guess we can talk about the audiovisual aspects. You, you can tell that this was an early Super Nintendo game. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's a pretty straightforward game. Yeah, it's just a straightforward, fun little action mm-hmm. RPG game. Not too complicated, but another nice, fun game to play. Yeah, I played through it multiple times, partially because it's nice and short, but it is fun. Yeah, yeah. It is a lot of fun. I remember renting it on multiple occasions back in the day. Uh, just yeah, to, same here. So, you know, in those early days, there weren't exactly a lot of RPGs, so this one was definitely a good one to play, and, you know, it, it it's still fun to go back to. Uh, kind of in the same way that some of the older East games are fun to go back to, you know, just kind of straightforward action RPG, run through, explore some dungeons, kill some monsters, you know, not too complicated, but not simple enough that it's not boring or not simple enough that it's boring rather. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would, I would concur. Um, it's the enemies certainly aren't so monotonous that you never feel that you feel like you're killing the same thing over and over again. No, and, and, and the bosses are interesting. Yeah, well. and so are the, so are the areas. You know, the, the the different dungeons in the game. I think it's kind of different from your typical fantasy fair enough that uh, uh, they're all you know interesting to get to, if, especially your first time playing through the game. You know, seeing what kind of area is going to come up next. Yeah, and it goes by so quickly that. Even if you're not terribly enthralled, you won't feel like you just wasted 70 hours of your life. No. But on the other hand, there's not a whole lot to say about it either, except it's, it's <laughs> As you fun. can tell. Yeah, there's just not much to say. Fun little game, and that's about it. And is it on the virtual console? I haven't seen it there. Uh, I don't, don't think so. Don't see a release date for the virtual console on Wikipedia, and we all know how good that is. <laughs> Actually, I would trust it over Nintendo most days. Well, speaking of Nintendo, do you know what was only for the Nintendo system? The Super Super Nintendo Nintendo system? system? (laughs) Well, it says only for Nintendo on the sticker, so I'm going by the sticker here. Oh, yeah, yeah, I remember those. (laughs) It says only for Nintendo. Illusion of Gaia. 
Developed by Quintet, published by Enix in Japan, and by Nintendo here in North America. This was released in November 27, 1993 in Japan, and September 1st, 1994 over here. And, well, not everyone's here. For those of you in Europe, you didn't get it until April 27, 1995, so meh. Gasp. Yeah. This is a single-player action RPG experience for your Super Nintendo Entertainment System. I swear ah, I played this, but I can't. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I it's was obsessed game. with this game as a kid. Yeah, so this is a game like I think it's like the one the one SNES game I never could beat, and I don't know why, but it always frustrated me. You know, I played it through like four or five times. How far did you get? Final boss every time. Yeah, every time I'll I'd, beat it. I just remember using shadow, sinking into the ground repeatedly, and somehow I was able to time it right to not take damage from his stupid meteor attack. <laughs> God, the meteor attack. Yeah. I really need to give that game another shot someday, but it, no, it never came out on virtual console, so that's as far as I'm Of course aware. not. Yeah, I'm sure Phil is going to have his work cut out for him doing the price report at the end of this episode. Oh, God. Yeah. Anyway, Illusion but of yeah. Gaia. You, you can definitely tell that this is from the peak of the Super Nintendo because it looks a lot better, it sounds a lot better, and it's a lot more refined. It's a lot but, better gameplay, a lot more complex of a plot. Oh, yeah. Great game. And I will always remember that when uh, Josh was doing the Q&A column, he asked a question about Shakespeare, characters named after Shakespeare in this game, and I had forgotten that Kara has a pig named Hamlet. <laughs> 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 Poor oh, Hamlet, yeah. who, yeah. who sacrifices himself into the stew pot so that you may live. <laughs> um, this game kind of has some depressing plot points in it. Yeah, like... Okay, basically the main plot of this game is that the mysterious comet has come near the Earth and its powers cause everything to evolve and transform into weird stuff. You don't see this too much on screen, but there's a lot of stuff happening on the side stuff that, yeah, this comet is messing up the world pretty bad. I think it turns of your friends into a fish man. <laughs> uh, like, not like a good fish man either. No. No, the kind that must be avoided at all costs unless you want to die. And you are Will, who... Let's see. What do I remember about Will? I never quite got how exactly how old he was supposed to be because, you know, the manual. Did I read the manual on this? I don't remember right now. <laughs> but he looks pretty young. He looks maybe 14, maybe younger yeah, than that. Yeah, 14 or 15. And one of the earlier missions in the game is getting spoiled Princess Kara out of her family castle because uh, she's been unfairly locked up in there and she wants out. Um, let's see, his other friends. There are a lot of them, actually. Mm. There's the girl who turns into that small thing, whatever it is, who hides in his pocket all the time. I can't remember much why she joined up with him, but I know it's very early on. She basically sticks with him until quite a bit later where she decides to settle down with another friend of his. Oh, yeah, I remember that. <laughs> yeah. too long. I can't remember these characters' names at all. Yeah. Okay, I might have to see what I wrote about it once upon a time. It's been a few years, but I might have written something useful. Um, There's Lance and Seth. Eric. Uh, Curse you, memory. (laughs) I remember Seth being kind of useless. Yes. Actually, more than kind of useless. Yeah, but until he mostly exists to be turned into the said fish man. Yes. It's true. Whereupon his eyes pretty much looked the same because he was wearing big old glasses the whole time. And let's see, Lance got together with a girl they met along the way. Yeah, Lily, who's the girl who can turn to a flower and hangs out in Will's pocket for a lot of the dungeons. Oh yeah, that's right. 
Eric. According to GameFAQs, Eric is the guy who just mostly exists to just be there. Go figure. Well, that, okay. <laughs> he, he was definitely there, so his purpose was achieved. But yeah, that's, just, that's this large cast of characters who exist just to be in the story. They go with the hero along most of his journey, and they're there to help react and talk and do stuff. Even though they're not actually playable, don't do a thing for you in the dungeon. So then I think one guy gets captured by vampires and strapped to a bomb. That's his main extent of his assisting you in the dungeon, <laughs> which isn't much. But must say, it's pretty impressive to be kidnapped by vampires at the bottom of the ruins, the bottom of the ocean, and strapped to a bomb. <laughs> Yes, it is, especially when they're one of those lovelorn vampire couples that just did it because, you know what, we like, we like screwing around with humans. That was, that was their entire motivation, as I understood it. Yeah, something really... As, as I remember, yeah. Like, yes, speaking of that dungeon, and I think I remember in this game, to get like health upgrades and stuff, you basically have to like track down and kill all the enemies in, the, in dungeons. Yeah, yes, every this... room, if you, if you beat, once you beat every enemy in a, in a room, then you get a small upgrade to one step. That's yes, like... and in that vampire dungeon, there was one room where I could never find like the last monster, never. And to this day, I've never been able to find him. Probably something to do with the raising water le- and lowering water levels in that dungeon. It, it was, it, it, yeah, it was probably something like that, but it, it, it always bothered me. Yeah, I remember several things coming up from the ground only when you got near them. Let's see. Yeah, speaking of the water levels, I gotta say one thing I really do like the dungeons game because they're pretty elaborate and complicated with a lot of puzzles using a lot of different abilities for your character to get different places and such. They're really fun to explore. Oh yeah. Yeah, and and, and that brings up the other unique aspect of this game, aside from the killing everything gets you a set upgrade, which is uh pretty quickly Will gets the ability to change into Freedon, the warrior who can't go under small holes in the wall, but can use some super sparkly attack with his sword to hit things far <laughs> off. Yeah, basically, Will can enter these places called dark spaces, where he meets this mysterious entity called Gaia, who lets him transform into the Dark Knight Freedian. Or, alternatively, much later in the game, into this weird being called Shadow, which melts into a puddle and flies through the air, and, and just extends his arms out like whips. Yeah, but... Shadow oh, gets, has- gets prominently mentioned in the manual, so I guess I did read the manual. And he doesn't appear until the second to last dungeon in the game, so don't expect <laughs> to see him a lot. Yeah, for the most of the game, it's basically Will solves puzzles and Frieden beats up all the enemies. That's Pretty much. That's basically how the game works. And all because Will has the power of darkness of some kind that doesn't get elaborated too much on the fact he has the dark power. Meanwhile, the princess has the light power, and that doesn't even get mentioned until the penultimate dungeon because it's not really important <laughs> at all. When she's the only one company, accompanying you because uh, it's a love story. And actually, it, their dialogue together is pretty decent, as I recall. Yeah, that's a lot of good character development and story in this game, in my opinion. I just really enjoyed it the whole way. Yeah, especially for games at the time. I, I just remember there's one there was one part where they're, like, stuck adrift. Uh, yeah. Like a, a, yes, and you have, to, you have to come up with things to eat and uh, just keep talking to her. Yeah, you're adrift for something like a month, I think. Yeah, they're stuck on that raft, doing their best to keep fishing and stay alive. Yeah, that was definitely one of the uh, most interesting parts in that game. Mm-hmm. Oh, also, it's one worth noting that one thing that's interesting in this game is that all the dungeons are based off of real-world, different, unusual archaeological locations. Like, yes, you have the Great Wall of Dahl or Anchor Wat or the Tower of Babel's penultimate dungeon, and I can forget some of the others. Uh, was there, was there the the Hanging Gardens or something like that? Yeah, probably the Hanging Gardens. 
Yes, that's the one where you keep going back and forth between the two sides. Yes, yes. And I believe oh, like that one was the water moved, moved something. Was there an Egyptian dungeon? Yes, yeah. that's that's near the end when you finally get Shadow and he can seep through the floor to get to the lower levels. That's right. Find lots of mummies. Yes. <laughs> I know I remembered mummies. And a fair amount of platforming, too. Yeah, Will has the ability to run across gaps or turn into a whirlwind and various other things to be real. And he's got even cool jumping attack. So he's a rather mobile, agile character. Yes, these, these, these dungeons were uh, really fun. Really, really fun. Definitely. Yeah, and each of them lasts a surprising amount of time. Each one of them is a good hour, two hours. Absolutely. Yeah. And considering how short the game is, relatively. That's a big chunk of your time. Yeah. yeah. This game of course, waste of course, time it, no, it doesn't. Go ahead. I don't, you go ahead. I was going to say, it does pull the old Mega Man trick of, here, here are the bosses again. You get to fight them before the final boss. Yeah. <laughs> Always a fun trick, though, I suppose. <laughs> well, you are fighting with Shadow this time, and he wasn't accessible for most of them before. But Yeah, which means new strategies for all of them. New strategies to make them really easy. <laughs> That's good, though, because you can't go back once you get in there. Oh, no. yeah. Once you're in, you're committed. And let's see. Yeah, I'd say this uh, game is a, f- a fair bit harder than uh, Soul Blazing. At the same time, the character's a lot more capable, with a lot more options between the three different characters, a lot more cool True. defensive tricks. It's a lot of fun. Did you ever use YouTube to see exactly what the end is, Nathan? No, I've actually avoided spoilers for the ending this entire time. Uh, okay. Do you, it's nothing do you want major. spoilers? <laughs> I'm going to tune out if you're going to give them. Yeah, g- give me about 30 seconds here. Yes, the ending is kind of uh, metaphysical. Will shows up in a modern-day school somewhere, and what, is that Kara as a modern-day middle school student along with him? Why, it just might be. Because you do go floating through time a whole lot in this game. And um, any anything I'm missing there, Mr. Apps? No, that that's pretty much about it. Uh, you know, after everything the characters have been through through that game, it, was, it kind of feels like a, a touching end. Um, yeah, especially if you just saved Earth from that stupid comet coming on. Yeah, and, and after that, doesn't it just doesn't it show like all the continents moving into you know the modern day configuration or something like that? Yeah, yeah, I remember something like that. All I can remember right now is Will dressed like. A middle school student of the 90s coming into yes. the classroom. Okay, I think we can call Nathan back now. Okay. Let's see. I remember some really, really exciting tunes going with this, especially for the dungeon explorations. Yeah, absolutely. Especially the the, the boss themes. Uh, I, you know, diff, different dungeon themes that really fit things quite well. Uh, definitely, definitely... Uh, uh, much more intricate soundtrack than uh, Soul Blazer. Yeah, all around, it's just a kind of top-notch presentation of an RPG overall. Just everything mm-hmm. about it's quite good. Absolutely. Which of course some... means that it's that it's harder to play now unless you have a Super Nintendo handy. Yeah. Oh well, many people still do. Man, um, I still we, I still do with a copy of this game. We would never mention the evil E word. Bad, bad. May or may not rhyme with simulate. <laughs> Many things don't rhyme with simulate. Simulation, <laughs> what they do with SimCity? 
Oh, don't get me started, Lee, since it will be here all day. Let's just keep moving on. <laughs> don't even get me started. <laughs> yeah, let's just keep EA out of this conversation. We, we might we, we might go there on the final lap, and now it's not the time. We don't want to steal away from the greatness that is Illusion of Gaia. Yeah, the one thing that might not be great, or might be great depending on perspective, is this game's major side quest. Collecting the red gem. Yeah, you, that you, is infuriating. It, it's, it's a linear game, so if you miss one somewhere, you can't get it anymore. And if yeah, you do get it, you, you get to fight one of the bosses from Soul Blazer. Who's really, really hard this time around. <laughs> yeah, the, it, well, in Soul Blazer, I remember it being really easy because of that that trick where if you have him on the right side, you can rack up multiple hits real fast. I just got on the treadmill and smacked him multiple times, and he died fast. Yeah. This game, you can't do that now. You can't do that. Uh, also, it's like some of the earliest red gems are some of the hardest to spot, considering they're actually random when they appear, and you have to really look for them and know if they're there to ever find them. So this can be a mean side quest. It's, mm-hmm. But it's really rewarding if you gather them up and get cool rewards, but... Yeah, and yep. that's only the last reward. If you get everything before that, he gives you plenty of useful stuff. For th- this guy who just tells you, hey, hey, look out for those red gems. I'll give you good stuff if you give them to me. That's that's his purpose. Yep. <laughs> and he gets major power, character power-ups and everything. It's really nice until he tries to kill you. And then it's really, really mean. <laughs> yeah, hey, th- those, th- those red gems you were giving me, uh, yeah, they, they actually allowed me to unlock my long-lost powers. Thanks for that. I'm going to kill you now. <laughs> So yeah, thanks that this game really is kind of a sequel to Soul Blazer. They actually have the same final boss if you go over the Japanese names, but oh, interesting. Yeah, it's like Death Toll from the first game is actually Dark Gaia from this game, but that's not the only real connection they have, other than Gem being the recurring boss from the previous. Dark Gaia. Well, Dark Gaia will make another appearance in the very near future. Joy. <laughs> okay, my uh, that ghost ship of the Incas the you were on and suddenly just find a whole bunch of long dead, long desiccated skeletons. Oh, God. I'm only remembering it because apparently we have a picture of it for some reason on our site. I'm trying to remember that ship. Yeah, I really can't remember a lot of the details from this game, sadly. What happens on that ship? I can't, I'm trying to remember. Is it the one that sinks and sends you on the raft? or? Um, I think it was, actually. Yeah, I, I, think, I think you're right. After some conversation, of course. After some conversation. Hmm. I know I should be remembering more things like, what was the boss in Moo? It was that stupid worm that digs under the ground and pops out. Ugh. Um, and the boss in the pyramid was that Egyptian, looked like a, 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 the head of some woman's elaborate headdress that kept coming after you. <laughs> But I'm not remembering a whole lot more coherently right now. Yeah. Must be time to move on then. After we take a small break.
made it back. We are ready to talk about Terranigma. I'm not even sure if that's how to pronounce it, but I will butcher it anyways. This was developed by Quintet, published in Japan by Enix. Never quite made it over here to America, but does PAL mean it made it to Europe? Is that what PAL yes, is? Yes, yeah. and Australia. Australia. So everybody but America got it. How rude. Did, does that stand for something? Why? I don't know. That, is, that is their electrical current system. We are, an, uh, we are NTSC. Japan is NTSC. Europe is PAL. Um, Africa is something else. I don't remember what. Uh-huh. Um, darn regional lockouts and all the other bull. Anyways, this uh, you know, and there's websites dedicated to how to play these games on your own Super Nintendo. Um, anyways, this was uh, released in Japan on October 20th, 1995, and in those weird Australian and Asian countries on December 19th, 1996. This is a single-player action RPG for your Super Nintendo Entertainment System. So that is why it is actually an import for North Americans, because it never came out in North America. But there's a full English translation of it, a legitimate one. And as I can tell you, I tried to play the PAL version in English. You know what happens when you try and play a PAL game on an NTSC system? You gotta, you gotta file the little thing on the inside Super Nintendo. There's all YouTube videos. No, no. Th- that's for Japanese games. <laughs> oh. PAL games just don't work. They just don't work. <laughs> they're, on a, they're using a different electrical system. Oh, that's silly. So, Terranigma. Have you experienced this at all, Mr. Apps, or am I solo for this? Uh, you are solo for this. Okay, well, I, I just... hoping for a virtual console release, but it never came. Despite it being, like, the most requested ones, I think. No. Well, yeah, there's this, no chance. This is so easy to do. You. Look, there's already a translation. Just use it. But no. Okay. I will get to the story in a little bit. First, I will remark on a couple of things that date it to the 90s, and they are a couple of sprites. In particular, there is a sprite, once you get to North America later in the game, that looks remarkably like MC Hammer. He's got the hair, he's got the shades, he's got the shirt, and he's got the baggy pants. It's freaking MC Hammer. Okay, Terranigma. You are a young man named Ark who lives in a town called Krista, which is apparently in, I don't know, some kind of nether underworld your elder has told you, don't mess with that door. So what does Ark do? Well, of course, he tosses a couple of pots into the door, opens it, and finds this weird thing that looks, well, I don't know, kind of like a bat, kind of like something Akira Toriyama would have dreamed up. And Yomi just announces, hey, thanks for letting me out of there. Very late in the game, you learned that you actually opened Pandora's box. Great going, Ark. And in opening that, you find that everyone in Krista has mysteriously turned blue and immobile. So the elder tells you, well... The only way to fix this is to go out to the five towers that are surrounding Krista and unlock all of them. You do that. You, you, you mobilize everyone, stop them from being blue, but you're not done. You get to go up to the surface now, the surface that you gradually unlocked. With each of those towers, you set free a continent on that surface, a continent like Eurasia, Africa, North America, South America, and Australia. And if you get a couple of extra things, then you can let the hidden land of Mu and something they call Polynesia, which is actually between Siberia and Alaska, so I don't know of any part of Polynesia that that's far north, but whatever, it's up there. You get up there, and it's Ark's job to revive the Earth. He starts in the Amazon. He's got to get the plant life back. He does that. Oh, and he can talk to the plants. He goes through Panama, which is really mountainous for some reason. I never knew that. He gets up into Colorado, and he revives the birds. The birds take him to Africa, or more specifically, um, Safaria, where he revives the, the animals of the world. 
Then he goes, then using a bridge of hippos, he goes through Arabia and gets into somewhere in the Himalayas where he finally unlocks humans. And then we enter part three of the game where he has lost the ability to talk to animals but can talk to humans. And my gosh, humans are in a variety of technological states in the earth. Not only do you talk to Columbus, yes, it's that Columbus, the <laughs> While freeing a princess from Loire, which which I'm butchering because I can't pronounce French for the life of me. But later you get across the Atlantic and you find yourself helping Bell, Bell, the guy who is developing this thing to allow you to talk to somebody from a distance. That Bell. Or Eddie, the guy who's doing electrical experiments with things called light bulbs. Yeah, that Eddie. And you help humans all over the world, and you get the opportunity to help certain towns expand their civilization levels, including one magical election where a total of 49 people vote, and you cast the deciding vote, which means that you would think that there would be a lot of recriminations from such a close vote, but no, not really. And late in the game, well, Ark had this thing for a girl named Ellie back in Krista, and he finds an Ellie while he's uh, doing things for the French king. She gets out. She helps him a couple of times. He helps her a couple of times. Turns out that she is the light world version of Ellie. The Ellie he knew was the dark world version. And everyone in Krista is actually the dark world reflection of a certain town, which is apparently in Norway, dedicated to keeping the equipment of the legendary hero safe throughout the generations. And once, once you become the legendary hero, once Ark's light and dark sides join together, well... He can take on Dark Gaia down the bottom of the, down the center of the Earth. What am I forgetting? There are some moderately interesting philosophical moments as you go on, and most of the scenarios you go through are interesting. Each of the areas is distinct. You go through a town which is suffering from a zombie plague. You go through the sewers of Neo Tokyo, which has just been hit with a biological weapon. You have to stop a guy named Baruga, who is you don't actually learn about until very late in the proceedings, and he is trying. To unleash a plan which uh, is not nearly as evil as just killing everything. You know, he wants to turn people into zombies, the people who deserve it, so that they may live forever. And everyone who doesn't deserve immortality, well, they get to die. That's his plan. And he has an entire cult in central Russia dedicated to this purpose. Let's see. Until he is unveiled, though, you kind of just wander from place to place, helping people out. And whenever you have something and people want it, and you give it to them, Ark just says, sure, I'll give it to you. I'm a nice guy. He really says that every time he, every time he gives something to anybody. Um, I think that does it for the story, unless there are any questions about it. Does it have any references to Soul Blazer or Illusion of Guy? Not directly, but there is a dog named Turbo, and there was a dog named Turbo in Soul Blazer. <laughs> um, there is a programmer's room you can access in Neo Tokyo before the biological weapon hits it where somebody refers to the game as Illusion of Gaia 2, <laughs> which doesn't really make sense in Europe because it wasn't called Illusion of Gaia in Europe. Oh, God. Um, it really, it's more about the themes that you're going through, and this is Earth, you're helping it come back from exactly what caused the continents themselves to vanish from the face of the Earth is not specified, but you're going to make it all better. And, okay. I guess I'll talk about how you actually play it now. Okay, Ark uses a spear, and if you just start chugging on the A button, then you do an automatic flurry that can actually be really helpful. He he can jump, he can do a jump attack, he can dash, he can do a dash attack, and he can do a dashing jump attack that hits pretty hard, and 
gives you a moment of invulnerability, which is really helpful. Experiences back from Soul Blazer, and it makes a big difference. It really does. One level can make a boss that was kicking your ass much easier. And because I just do this, I like to grind. Not for long, but I do it. That I didn't have a problem with most of the bosses, except Bloody Mary, who resides in a Spanish castle and is apparently the ghost of, I guess, Queen Isabella? It's the queen who hired Columbus, and when her three sons died on one of his ships, she threw him in jail because she was spiteful about that. She's a tough boss. Um, There are status ailments in this one. You can get confused, which works really annoyingly by making the directional keys do different things. Instead of going right, you go up, and it doesn't stay stay like that. It constantly changes. Oh, God. That's confusion. That's that's really confusion. You can get poisoned, which does exactly like you'd think, only it doesn't wear off naturally. You can get... There's one enemy in that Neo Tokyo sewer that you'd better have the right armor equipped or else it can hit you with, at the count of 20, you die. Instant death. Well, not instant, but timed death. However, it's not a problem because every time I died in this game... I just got booted back to the last point I saved, and that was it. I kept all my money, and I kept all my experience. There was no penalty except having to go back. So don't be afraid of dying. It's not a big deal. Um, no, excuse me. It is. I, there's a big inventory in this, much bigger than Soul Blazers, and cer- certain weapons are actually elementally effective against certain enemies, which gives you reason to keep a lot of them for a while. Um... Let's see, there's a mission where you are guiding a young lion cub. His name is not Simba, but you might as well be Simba. And you have to follow in what he does. And eventually you beat some lame boss that you have to flick its rocks back at it. And then it pulls a a fast one on you and throws you into a pit. And the lion loves you so much that he doesn't like that. He beats up the boss while you're stuck down in that pit. Um... You gain new abilities all the time. There's a cave where you gain uh, some kind of flippers that allow you to dive through pools. So you swim a lot. You Once you get the ship fairly late in the game, after you've saved South America from the scourge of mermaids off the coast, you can just go wherever you want. You can go to Antarctica. You can go to Australia. You can go to this little spot in New Zealand. You can go to Alaska. And you can actually find stuff. There's useful stuff to find by going off the beaten path. Soundtrack is really good. A lot of the Mode 7... Actually, the graphics remind me of Chrono Trigger in spots. I can't put a precise feeling to that, but it looks reminiscent of Chrono Trigger to me, especially the overworld bit where you're just a little speck running along on the the world map. Um, I would not call this the greatest game in the Super Nintendo library the way some people seem to, but had it come out in North America, it certainly would have earned a place of pride. And I regret the means that I had to use to play it. I do own a cartridge, but it will not play. So I had to use an emulator. <gasps> I know. I'm, I'm not happy with it either. And I'm especially not happy with how my hands felt after that. Really, have you tried using the, the directional keys on a keyboard to play a game like this? No, you it's usually the- plug in one of those Xbox 360 controllers and you map the keys. Not that I've ever done it before, you know? I don't have one but, of those. I don't yeah. have one of those USB adapters. You, you so know, I had to use great. the keyboard. Yeah, yeah. Logitech yeah, controller. Keyboards are not designed for action games really any more than iPhones are. Yeah. yeah. I don't know how my brother plays Mega Man on an iPhone. Ow. 
on easy mode. Maybe, he just, maybe his hand is just uh, a really, really flexible. I don't know. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. And let me tell you, you, you block projectiles in Terranigma by holding the L button. And when that's right next to the A button on the keyboard, that's not fun. I kept forgetting how to do it because the, the controls on a keyboard just are not fun to use. I can't even blame the game for that. It's how I was forced to play it. <laughs> um, I finished it in just under 20 hours, except for the extremely annoying means by which I had to control it. I enjoyed pretty much every aspect of it. The translation is understandable. It has a few typos, a few weird spots, but by 1996 Super Nintendo translation standard, it's fine. Anything else to ask about it? Why didn't this come out in the U.S.? That is this an excellent a- question. Was this after uh, Enix's U.S. branch closed? It was, but I think Nintendo actually localized it in the PAL regions. Oh, well, that is yeah, interesting, man. It's a really weird case of a Euro- European game in the U.S. not during that era. It happens now occasionally. I th- Inazuma 11 comes to mind. Yeah, that's but, not first football culture. But then, in 1996... It's inexplicable, really. Yeah. And Nintendo put out Super Mario RPG for the rest of the world, so don't tell me it couldn't localize RPGs at the time. (laughs) Especially when the translation was right there. Yeah, that's a weird one. Yeah, it's just inexplicable. Weirder still why it hasn't been gone to the uh, virtual console. That or the other two games we've talked about. Yeah, I'm going to blame Square for them, I think, because they're probably behind it, just like they're behind Lufia not coming on Virtual Console and all that. But Could be. Yeah, all those old Enix copyrights are now part of the giant Square Enix, and I don't know. Who knows what that company thinks will make money anymore. Yeah. Well, okay. So everyone should rush out and get it, huh? Oh, yes. It, actually, you can get an NTSC copy of it. Just look on <laughs> eBay and you will find it because that is completely legit. And those people totally. are not lying to you in any way. Totally. That is certainly a legit copy and not a bootleg copy like that Game Boy Advance game I got recently. Clearly, it's legit. Just like those Secret of Mana 2 copies you see on eBay. Those are absolutely legit. That game totally came out in North America. <laughs> Well, you know what else is legit? The Grandstream Saga. It's legit, too. And it was developed by... It's too legit to quit! It was developed by Shade and Arc Entertainment. Released here in North America on June 30th, 1998. This is a single-player RPG experience for your PlayStation 1 system. I should say that Shade is more or less Quintet. There's a name change, but pretty much all of the staff is the same. And if you play it, you can see a lot of the themes... From those other games. Here, you're, you're reviving a culture. Well, same thing happening here. Yeah. Grandstream Saga is an interesting game, but the very first thing that needs to be mentioned is that the character models are creepy as hell because they don't have faces. That needs to yes, be mentioned right true. off. That actually prevented me from getting very far in this game because it just freaked me out. <laughs> yeah. It's, okay, they've got full art, 2D art character portraits that show up whenever they're talking. But you can see the models quite plainly. The camera zooms on their faces, and they don't have faces. I know you have to make trade-offs with the PS1 game, but that's a weird trade-off to make. Well, I excuse it because this was an early PS1 game. This knocked Final Fantasy VII off the sales charts in Japan, or the top of the sales charts, so we know it was pretty early in the PS1's life. And 
I will say this for Grandstream Saga. It is mostly kind enough not to zoom in to the point where you have to notice how ugly PS1 polygons are when they're slammed in your face. Yeah. And it mostly goes, yeah, it mostly keeps a nice distance, especially when you're going through the dungeons, so that you you don't have to have its eye-searing qualities thrown in your eyes. Yeah. This is a game which suffers for being a PS1 game individually, quite sadly. It's kind of a shame considering the previous games we talked about tonight looked so nice, really. But, oh well, those are the times. I don't think Sony had the same anti-2D bias in Japan that it did elsewhere, but even if it didn't, most companies were looking towards a world market at that point, and if Sony wasn't going to be nice to your 2D games, you, you had to cow the, 3T, the 3D line and look at the result. Ouch. Oh, graphics aside, this is actually quite a good game, so we can forgive some soulless, faceless character models <laughs> here and there. Yeah, uh, just, just, just get over the fright issue and then do something else. Are your memories pretty fresh, Nathan? Not fresh, no. It's been a while. I only really rented this game once and never beat it, but some of it's still there in my head. I remember really liking it. I mean, it's got a really great premise, the character's special power, the scepter. It's just so wonderful for creating so many cool puzzles and such, and I loved it in the game. It yeah, I'll get behind for, that. Basically, just for those people who don't know, this, the character has on his hand, the back of his hand a large gem, which is called the scepter. I don't know why it's called the scepter. It doesn't, it's not shaped like a scepter. It doesn't look like a scepter. But they call it the scepter nonetheless. This thing has, which I'm not even sure they explain the origin of, do they? I can't remember. It has the power to, well, copy anything he touches. Or the remains. Or basically, even if he touches something which is completely broken, he can recreate it in its original form. And thus, yep. he uses this to cheat his way through reality, really. Pretty darn awesome <laughs> what he can do with it. Oh, I can't get through here? Well, I'll just recreate the passage that originally led through here, and now I can do it. Or it's like, this key's been long shattered. I'll, uh, I'll just replace it with its original. In fact, mm-hmm. the entire game centers around like four or so magic gems, which in the very beginning of the game, they're completely shattered. But it doesn't matter because the hero can replace them as much as he wants. He can create as many of them as he needs. All he has to do is get through the dungeons. Yep. There's, there's a yeah. lot of great puzzles in the game built on this concept. Like, and also, it's used to justify all of this ridiculously cool weaponry as well, which is kind of nice. It's like, oh, an old aging sword or sitting on the wall? You touch it, you get an awesome magic sword. Stuff like that. Yeah, and you actually have a choice in combat here. You can use daggers, swords, or axes, and each of them is, is good for a different situation. The combat, though, the combat is what holds it back a little for me because it's kind of like an overhead view of a of a 3D fighting game but Eon is pretty slow. Yeah, the combat just that that's what kind of stuck out at me right away. The combat just feels weird, which it is. It is not like anything else I've ever played. No. And, and certainly not what I expected, you know. I kind of expected something akin to their earlier games and it certainly was not that. No, every fight and they don't, this does not use random battles even though you go to a separate combat screen, you just Wander around in the dungeons, you find things and you fight them. Uh, it's one on one. Everybody can block, and what I remember is just blocking as much as possible. And when you have a chance, countering. And eventually, you should win by that manner. But you'll take a lot of hits in the meantime, and just and you'll be glad that healing supplies are so prevalent because you'll need them. Now, that's my major beef with the game, and it's not even a major one. It's just combat is strange. So it sounds like I was a bit unfair judging this game too much on the graphics. 
maybe it's just that I've I'm rarely impressed by PS1 3D anymore. But I looked at it. I said, "Yep, those are not attractive, but they're not <laughs> they're not I've, zooming in too much." I've so I don't said that since the beginning. We kind of jumped to that whole 3D thing, you know, really a little too soon. Because yeah, you're right. I mean, even back in yeah. the day when it first came out, it was you know those graphics were a bit you know hard on the eyes. But um, you know the 3D factor was kind of a wow pop factor. But you know as soon as you got over that, you realize, oh wait, Cloud only has five polygons. <laughs> So and yeah. I think I think I was willing to be kinder than I might have otherwise because I had just played um, that I just played a Lundra two and that oh is God. an ugly game uh. and the Lundra two <laughs> likes to zoom in on the characters' faces so that you uh. can see every aspect of their ugliness penetrating <laughs> your eyeballs and never leaving your consciousness. But I've also said I've also said that. The fact that you can uh, buy a lot of these games um, and download them on your PSP or your Vita, where you're just looking at those graphics on a three-inch screen, works okay. Um, so yeah, it is yeah, on that... the PSN. The Grand Stream, the Grand Stream Straga is on the PSN. So let's say that the graphics aren't as much of a factor if you're playing this on a, a small portable screen, Mr. Minky. What, what would be your overall thought on it? The combat would still bug me, feeling as it does like a 3D fighting game one where the the computer is really good and you just have to block most of the time and get in a lucky strike when you can but it does a really good job of moving from place to place quickly and each of the places you go to are interesting and for such a short game i finished it in less than 10 hours it goes through a lot of interesting stuff there's there's a, a point where eon has to get into a cult which I don't remember what it worships. I think it was a volcano god or something. And <laughs> you, it actually handles a religious cult pretty well. And later, there is, of course, an empire of some kind, and it's flying in the clouds. And Well, everything's flying in the clouds in that game. It's just a bunch of floating yeah. islands trying to keep them dropping below the clouds. Four islands and that imperial ship you eventually get on board. But the empire actually gets explored a fair bit more than many games even do now. You get to hear a little bit about the motivation behind using might to rule the people who otherwise, if you res- if you did not restrict them so, they would go crazy and destroy themselves through foolish mob mentality. Naturally, THQ was the localizer. <laughs> oh. Now, aside oh, from okay. RPGs... Because THQ brought us that wonder of wonders, Quest sixty four. Oh, please don't remind me. <laughs> but <laughs> THQ wrote comprehensible text, not good text. There are a lot of typos and strange grammar in it, and then there's some voice acting, which I would encourage audio atrocities to get a few visits from because Grandstream Saga. Kind of deserves it. Most of the entries on Audio Atrocities are taken from the very end of the game when I don't even remember the name of the guy is pontificating on his motives for just trying to hold the world enthralled to him. And just listen to the Audio atrocity samples and you'll get why it's on there. The music, though, is really good. I like the music in this game, which, of course, means that if you want to get a legit soundtrack, it's going to cost you probably a hundred bucks because it's really rare. While the game itself is extremely cheap, right, Mr. Apps? Yeah, I got it for less than ten dollars, uh, disc only. But yeah, I was able to get it quite cheap. 
I don't I don't wholeheartedly recommend it, but I'm I don't regret that I played it. And if you can if you can deal with the graphics, yes, I know that's very hard to do. Nobody has ever had to deal with bad graphics before. And if you can handle the really combat graphics, they got so few polygons. Maybe you should just say the graphic. It, you know, the, <laughs> what's interesting is the characters kind of look like they were like tiny little pixel characters, like forcibly ripped Forci- into 3D Forci- with no detail added. But not in the cute 3D dot hero way either. Right? <laughs> no, uh, no. <laughs> no, that's too funny. Uh, all right, but, I tell you, I, you know what? Now you've got yeah, me curious. Yeah. Now I'm gonna have to. Now I'm gonna have to Google some pictures here just to see just yes. how this looks. Let's take a look here. You, know, you can find anything on Google these days. It's 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 just it's so great. Uh, so uh, I kind of stole your thunder there, Nathan. Do you have anything holy that I? Holy cow! They couldn't put a couple of dots and a smiley face on these guys. No, no, they couldn't. That is creepy as hell. Isn't there some Japanese children's story about people with no faces who are evil? Yeah, something like that, I think. Yeah, even the Super Nintendo graphics, the little people have eyes and, you know, sometimes they have a mouth. Like, oh my gosh. Yeah, it's just... Wow. They didn't need polygons to make that look better. Thank you, Mike. Thank you for giving me nightmares for the rest of the week. Thank you. This Phil, looks, I am happy to serve. You know what? This would be an incredible plot Now you will remember your sleep periods where otherwise they would fade and recede. I'm telling you, this would be an excellent plot for like a Shin Megami Tensei game. In a world where everyone has lost their faces, you're the only one with the face. You must help them find theirs. Oh, we sh- there were animated sequences in the game. Remember those, Nathan? Yeah, they yes. like remember opening up with one with the guy using a gem to cause his land to collapse because he doesn't want the, whole, the rest of it to sink or something like that. Yeah, and Eon is just there, kind of watching and helping in a peripheral way as the the elder guy. He he's showing how to do things. Yeah, and then there is of course our wonderful because this is what gamers apparently gravitate toward. Not too far into the game, a woman named Laramie is taking a shower. So of course we have to see that animated. The naughty bits are skewered, but it's there. There seemed to be one of those in, like, every uh, Japanese RPG of that era that had animated sequences. What's really weird here, guys, is as I'm looking through these screenshots, their clothing and stuff has more polygons in detail than Final Fantasy VII characters, and yet they have no face! (laughs) We've moved on from that. I can't move on past them! You looked at the screenshots, they're creepy as hell! See? See? Oh my goodness, it's like I'm watching a Poltergeist movie or something. (laughs) What would have been so hard for them to put a little couple of dots and a smile? Like, come on! <laughs> I mean, this really is like this is the hardest part of the game is getting past the creepy faces from the very first cutscene. Oh my goodness gracious! Oh look, somebody did. Oh, somebody did a picture of what? Um, uh, oh my gosh, I'm drawing a huge blank. What's that game set in outer space? Really popular RPG, newish. Mass Effect? Thank you. What if Mass Effect had the same graphics? Okay, I'm copying this image to you guys. (laughs) Is there an option for Shepard to have no face? Well, they all click on the link. It's in Skype. Just just click on that. Oh, God. (laughs) 
it's just, it's just, he, yeah, Shepard has no, none of them have a face, and that, but that's how they look like in that game. It's like there's actually detail in the clothing and stuff. The fact that they don't have faces just stands out so much. <laughs> it's not like they just really just only had like five polygons, like an Atari only has a few dots, so there's no way they could do a face. It's, it's not like that because they got detail in the clothing. Why couldn't they get detail in the faces? Uh, wow. I guess, you know, you always hear about sometimes games get rushed at the end and they have to leave, like, some additional content or costumes out or whatever have you. I guess here the faces were on the chopping block. You know, it's just like, who was in charge of the faces? Bob, oh, Bob called in sick the last few days when we had to release the game. Damn, he never got them done. Just... Yeah, you can tell from those portraits that they do have faces. Yeah. They're just not on the characters. They're just, uh, yeah, the, the little 2D pictures have faces, but the 3D are creepy as hell. Holy cow. You know what be really cool is if there was like an additional really, really hard dungeon, like a hundred level dungeon that was really tough that you had to grind your way through, and you finally beat the big boss at the end of that, and you got these like uh, glasses, like the movie with Pot- Roddy Roddy Piper that lets them see the aliens, but this time you can actually see their real faces. <laughs> you know, God, how cool would that be? All right, I'm sorry, I digress. Go go, go back to what you were discussing. I think animated cutscenes, maybe? Yeah, we, we hadn't really talked about those yet, except for the shower incident. Yeah, I think I recall one from like when the main heroine's brother betrays them all. It's wearing a mask or something, which seems like a Trent Mobile Gundam reference in retrospect. That's what all I you can know, remember from the plot, honestly. You know, hardcore gaming describes certain aspects of this as making much more sense if you think of them as E's characters. Eon is Adol, except he can talk. And that guy you're talking about, well, he's Chester from East Three, which means that he's he's the brother of your lead, of your lead lady. He's bad, but then he does something really nice for you as as a moment of repentance. Yeah, that makes a lot more sense if I actually played more of East Three. Sorry, <laughs> you get to that. One. You played East Three. Well, I played the SNES version a little bit way back. Oh God, no! Oh, I'm but, so sorry. I I'm played so sorry. the Genesis version, which is better than the Super Nintendo yes. version. Really, the only version you need to play is uh, Oath and Fulgana. Yeah, I'll need to get that for FRP 7 still on my <laughs> backlog. Well, now that we've brought up Ease, um, combat in this game is nothing like Ease. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> I remember there's an enemy in the final area, and the final area just looks atrocious. It's, it's almost all black. Did he so have eyes? Just, uh, it's it's one of those things with a big helmet or a mask, so you can't tell anyway. But it, it was just a cheap-ass jerk. Uh, Wait, did, did I remember having say... to use almost all my supplies because the stupid thing kept pulling it, kept dodging or kept blocking me just in time. And urgh. and then I just dodged the last couple of those because I didn't feel like going through that again. Did did you say earlier that there was like an anime cutscene with a shower or something? <laughs> Did you You're say- hearing very selective words tonight, Phil. <laughs> did you say that? I did. You know, that just brought a mental image to my mind. Normally, the thought of a beautiful, gorgeous woman taking a hot, steamy shower would turn me on like any red-blooded American man. I could just say, I could just see myself watching this going, oh yeah, that's beautiful. And then suddenly she turns around, she has no face! Ah! Oh, sorry, I digressed again. I think you've just come up with something that, if it hasn't been in a horror movie, ought to be. I think it's the. Uh, I think this should be the title of the show: the game with no face. <laughs> just, just you can't do this, Mike. Don't tell me to look at screenshots like this, man. I didn't tell you to look at them. You did that oh, on your own. Yeah. I have seen 
all kinds of games in my many decades of playing RPGs, but holy sweet mercy, man. Wow. Phil, you want to borrow my copy of the game? You can no, see it in live no. Action. I can't even imagine this stretched out on my 35-inch plasma television. Oh my gosh, my eyes would bleed right then and there. Whoa. I mean, literally, bleed. I mean, wow. Oh my god, there's a picture of the shower scene. Oh, I would hate for her to turn around and not have a face. Oh my gosh. I don't even want to click on the YouTube video now. No, there's no way. There's no way I'll click on that. No, uh-uh. No way. Because I'm telling you, she turns around for that shower. She has no face. Wow. Whew. Have you calmed down yet, Phil? I don't want to. I don't want to <laughs> send your blood pressure skyrocketing. Wouldn't it be really awesome if, like, a year after they released the game, they released like the Grand Stream Saga Collector's Edition? This time with faces. You can only dream. <laughs> like bonus or DLC. If PlayStation One had DLC. That's what the DLC would be. You finally get faces on your characters. The best sale DLC ever. So. Whew. Wow. They could sell each individual character's face as individual DLC. Maybe that could be the game. Like, like it's an item that you equip. Smiley face, angry face, unhappy face. You find them in chests all over the place, and you equip them on your character. You draw in your own face. Oh, there you go. Could wow. be a DS game. They need to borrow some of those Doku masks from Zelda. Man, something. Put something on their faces. Holy cow. I mean, they don't have faces. Put something on their heads. <laughs> At least give them all, like, full face helmets so you don't know they don't have faces underneath. Wow. Uh, you know what the worst part is? These faceless monsters killed Quintet. Yeah, no wonder. I wouldn't buy another Quintet game if I had paid <laughs> money for that. Imagine spending, like, 50 or 60 bucks on that. Getting home, rushing home, going, yeah, I got a new RPG for my PlayStation. You pop it in. There's, like, a really cool anime cutscene. You're like, oh, man, this is awesome anime. This is great. This is better than Final Fantasy. And then it starts, and your main character turns around with a faceless exp- Literally, a faceless expression. <laughs> yeah. I can imagine that since it happened to me. At least more renting rather than buying. <laughs> Yeah, it'd be like a con moment. I mean, I'd rush back to GameStop. Please take this back. It's defective. Give me one with faces. Not <laughs> GameStop, really. Wow, goodness gracious! You need to wow. the face. Wait, I just, I know. Wow. Whew. Well, I didn't expect us to go there. How could you not? Have you looked at him? I mean, even yes. Cloud in Final Fantasy VII, at least he has eyes. At least they gave him eyes. Final Fantasy VII has the worst character graphics, you know, when you're running around the town and stuff. I mean, in combat, you know, they're, they're, they're a little bit more detailed. But, you know, as you're running around the world, he's got all of five polygons. But but at least he's got eyes. <sighs> they couldn't give him eyes, could they? Just wasn't in the budget. Nope. Anything else you'd like to say about this game, Mike, before I think about something else to say about faces? Nathan. Yeah. Uh, have I failed to mention something that you feel deserves it? Sorry, it's been a while since I can't remember a lot of the game. I mean, I remember it's, I'm enjoying it, but... Well, what were your thoughts on the combat? See, that's the thing. I can't remember the combat. It's one part of the game I can't remember. <laughs> sorry. How about the music, then? And, yeah, sorry. Again, I'm trying to dodge all this because I just can't remember these details very well. I remember the puzzles, but that's because that's such a strong high point of the game. But everything else kind of blurs together. I don't like their face. I'll say, Whoa. <laughs> that, that caused the audio to short out. I said, kind of like their, he said, that, like it all blurs together. And I'm like, kind of like their faces. Don't. Mr. Apps, what do you yes. have to say on, on this game that we have not mentioned yet? 
Well, it, um, you probably want to play this on a uh, standard definition TV if you can, because playing it on my PS3 probably made it look even worse than it did originally. Yeah, I still say P- maybe PSP Vita, much smaller. I don't think it's actually on PSN. I, I, I showed it on PSN when I Googled it. I thought I've seen it on the shop, too. Really? I'll need to look it up, then. Uh, I'll take a look. Let me take a look at the PSN, uh, PSN... And yeah, PSN brand stream. Yeah. <clears throat> this game is rated in for no faces. See, it's right there. <laughs> right on the. Well, it says uh, platform PlayStation genre RPG out now. Let's see here, home games. But maybe that. Oh, maybe that's not P. Well, yeah, I googled PSN, but you're right. Maybe that's. Uh, maybe that's just saying it's out for the PlayStation. Wait, you? Oh, you played it out with the disc. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. How about the the life system? which somebody compared it to Metroid, and I can get behind that. You have a life bar, but you actually have a whole bunch of life tanks, and once your life bar is depleted, another life tank kicks in. That might sound familiar. It's a weird way to handle it in an RPG. It is, and I remember them mostly rising at set points, although you you could find extras in chests if you looked around. Oh, I think you're right. I don't think it's on the PSN. I, Wikipedia says it's, it doesn't have it listed as a PS1 classic. Well, maybe yeah, it's because it's not really classical faces. Maybe it's down <laughs> like a list of PS1 non-classics. Yeah, this well, is just this, every game so far needs to be released digitally, but hasn't. It's really frustrating. Well, no, I don't think there's anyone to release this on PSN. Someone no, let's see. THQ localized it. When's the last we heard from T- THQ? Bankruptcy proceedings. They are dead. Let's see. Shade was mostly Quintet, and what happened to Quintet? Dead. Long dead. So who owns it now? I don't know. Well, someone <laughs> who, who, bought... publi- who, who published it in Japan? Yeah, that's a big question. They'd probably have... Looking, looking. Oh, Sony published it in Japan. Okay, Sony's having problems in a, in other industries, but it's doing fine in the video game world. And so, yeah, they've published other. To, yeah, yeah, it's like Sony doesn't really have an excuse not to publish at least in Japan. Yeah, and and it was published by Sony in Europe. I know the grand stream localization rights have to be cheap after THQ. So. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't exactly have a reputation that would cause the rights to go up high in a bidding war in, on this continent. Which is undeserved, because that reputation entirely lies on uh, that thing which sets Phil off, and thus we shall not mention it by name anymore. <laughs> what, you, what you talking about, Mike? Huh? Huh? What you talking about? Ghosts. Okay, ghosts. Huh? Nothing wrong with ghosts. They, they usually have little eyes. They're cute. I ain't afraid no ghosts. You know, I'm playing like like Fire Emblem on the Game Boy Advance. You know that game, and and, yep. and the characters are like all of like I don't know, twenty pixels high, if that much. Even on the overworld map, where they're only like ten pixels high, and yet I swear they got eyes. I mean, it's just so basic. People have faces. You, you just, I don't care how few pixels you have to work with or how few resources, you give them at least eyes. Wow, good gracious. I never expected this to lead to such a, a far-reaching philosophical game design theory from you, Phil. Goodness gracious. Someone needs to go to prison this. It's a crime. Mm-mm. Let's. I am not going to Japanese prison tonight. So, <laughs> let's talk about how much these games cost. Let's do that. All right. Soul Take Blazer. 
for your Super Nintendo system is going for about 50 bucks. Worth it? Well, they're really dedicated to it. Uh, Short game. Uh, 50. See, this is where we've launched a virtual console release. Yeah. It's, it's got good replay in the sense that you can come back to it and go through it real fast, but not in the sense that you're going to miss stuff that you've got to go through it twice for. Yeah, it's that's hard to recommend at fifty. Yeah, is, is that for a complete copy or just the cart? That I think that's just the cart. How is it? Well, let's see here. Hard plastic shell case. I don't think anybody has it here listed in the box. Oh well, this this one's the NTSC USA Super Nintendo version. Let me see if this one has the box. Like new. It better be with the box. He doesn't say whether yeah. or not it has the box or not, but he wants 130 bucks for it. I think for 130 Pe- bucks, you get the box and have it personally hand delivered. People really misuse that like new label. Yeah. Just because the cartridge is like like new does not mean it's in like new condition if you don't have everything. Hmm. Um, then we have Illusion of Gaia going for about third. Well, there's uh, there's a number that's uh, there's a number of these that say quote unquote acceptable, which is the lowest category you can do in Half.com and uh, cartridge only, label in good condition, something about the battery being low or dead. Uh, those are like twenty twenty five bucks, and it goes up to for the better condition ones. Supposedly, um, it goes up to about forty forty five. There's some here on Amazon for under twenty dollars for Illusion of Guy. Yeah, I mean, there's. Does it, does it say what condition they're in? Uh, mostly card only. Figures. Torn labels, etc. Terra Enigma. That one's only got one copy on Half.com for seventy bucks, and on eBay, I'm seeing the box on- for sale for fifteen bucks. Uh, yeah, and, and most of those are NTSC boxes because, as we know, this came out in North America, so that's totally legit. I'm seeing a couple wink, wink. of buy it nows for 75 plus shipping. But really, the darling here is uh, No Face Stream Saga. And uh, that one there is going for a whopping $10. Wouldn't it be hilarious if somebody like hacked it and and added faces and they could turn around and sell it for like 2000 bucks because they had the only copy with faces? That'd be cool. So it sounds like you probably don't want to actually pay all this money to have these games. I mean, even Grand Stream Saga is too much at five bucks. I want to say it's too much at five bucks. No faces. No faces. (laughs) Illusion of Gaia is worth it for the prices it's going for. Illusion of Gaia would at least have a reason not to have faces. The whole world's an illusion. (laughs) You know, people don't have face. Come on, Grand Stream. Come on. If you're going with that, how about Terra Enigma? See, it's a it's an enigma of. Terra. You know what? That, 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 that would have been that would have been great. They could have called it Face Enigma, and, and then it would have made sense as a sequel in a world without faces. Yeah, I'm totally down with that. <sighs> well, I'm also down with taking a quick break. We'll be back in a few moments. Thank you. 
have returned to the RPG Backtrack. This is our final lap where we chit-chat about all kinds of stuff, do the kitchen sink thing, whatever makes us happy. Talk about our last show, which hasn't been up long enough to get a lot of comments on our episode about Dragon Ball Z. So keep leaving comments <laughs> on there. We'll try to read all the comments from both both this show and the last show next time, depending on how these things come out and stuff. Um, so go and check Comments that out. need to go over 9,000! Yeah. Or people start yelling for 30 minutes at a time before they throw the first punch. <sighs> yeah, was a big Dragon Ball Z fan. I left that all to Mike. Mike watched enough for the both of us. We can yeah, talk about our true. next next show. Are we really spending one whole episode on Jade Empire? Can we really talk about Jade Empire for that long? <laughs> I if mean, we can't, then we've got a ton of Blast from Memories and Past stuff. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, I, I play Jade Regent, so at least I can chit-chat about that a bit. Um, so we're talking about Jade Regent and maybe some other games. Ooh, Final Fantasy the Third Birthday. We should bring, uh, who talked about that? Was it Sam or Becky or whoever? We should bring them back so they can uh, she can go off about, you know, the third birthday again. We inflict that on anyone. Do you really want to make Sam remember that game? Yeah, it was awesome last time. She got all worked up. She was all red in the face. I couldn't see her, but I'm telling you, she was red in the face. It was great. <laughs> I, hey, any game that lets me blow away clothing off of ladies as they get hurt, well, I'm playing Tomb Raider, but she doesn't lose clothing if she gets hurt. She just looks like she's messed up the entire game. So, she stays at an even keel. Have y'all played that game? Holy yes. cow, the way she dies. Blah, you know, runs right into rocks and it goes right through her. Oh, that's great. Man, we used to laugh in the original Tomb Raider. Um, yeah. I, I used to play that. My mom would watch me and stuff, and the, the first thing mom noticed was when you could find a way to get the camera to rotate around and get a profile of her, the fact that her bosoms were exactly shaped as triangles sticking out of her chest. I mean, you could really point somebody, <laughs> poke somebody's eye out with those things. But the second cool thing was watching all the different ways she could die. And our favorite one is in that room with the big, huge Thor hammer. And you can see the hammer hovered up in the air if you just look at the, you know, look up, and then you can see the pressure plate. And you can easily figure out what's going on. And yet you will want to step on that pressure plate just to see it happen. And the big hammer comes and slaps her down like the cockroach that she is. <laughs> and she screams and it's so hilarious. You load up the same game, you do it again. Because it's just so much fun. But yeah, between her getting smashed by rolling boulders, falling in spike pits. and I mean, you know, when you died in that game, it was just hilarious most of the time. It was fun to die in some cases. Dying to the wolves and stuff, though, was kind of stupid. That was never very much, you know, the wolves were kind of yeah. choppy, and she would just kind of flutter to the ground when she ran out of health, you know, bar or whatever. And I was like, eh, you want to see her dying spikes or traps or big hammers hovering up in the air. Lightning, that was always great. So, uh, yeah, the, the new one doesn't quite disappoint, though. You, so you liking that one? Uh, who, who said they were playing apps? Was it apps? Yeah. Yeah, isn't that cool? Uh, like it's that. fantastic. Yeah, it's awesome. I got the uh, collector's edition, you know, so I got the full posable fiction care, uh, action figure to go up with my Final Fantasy action characters so they all can get into fights together. But true yeah. to her nature in the game where she keeps falling off of stuff and dying, every time I try to put her up and I think I got her stabilized, some little vibration happens and she falls down. The Final Fantasy <laughs> ladies stand up just fine, but, but Lara Croft is a little top-heavy, as you guys know, so she just keeps <laughs> falling down. <laughs> just... I meant the action figures. To, come on, guys. Get your head out of the gutter. Come on now. I was talking about... Okay, anyway. 
Uh, yeah, we I, die. I, I don't know how Crystal Dynamics managed to reboot this franchise successfully twice now. Yeah, I mean, I've I've enjoyed the last. Uh, I've enjoyed the last. I mean, not that I played all the way through them, but for the few hours I put into each one, I've enjoyed the last few uh, uh, three or four games that the, they've been putting out. But this reboot is really good, really fun. I had my uh, father over for uh, for a few days, and he got to watch it. He was like, "Holy cow, those graphics are really good! What system is that called? PlayStation Three? Oh!" <laughs> But I have seen – have you seen the hair graphics in the PC version? No. Oh, when you get bored sometimes because the PC version supports fancy hair graphics. So when you're bored apps, you got to check out – shoot me off an email what you think of that. Check it out <laughs> sometimes because you don't get that in the PlayStation 3 version. No. No. We don't get fancy hair. We just get normal – actually works with gravity hair. You get perm plus commercial hair. When you play the PC version and you turn on that option. So if any of y'all have played the PC version with the Perm Plus hair motion turned on, please, you know, write on our boards and let us know how, how, what you think of it. it I've, I've gotten some interesting comments on it from some of my other friends, but um, I'm kind of staying away from the PC version of games because I'm, I'm more and more seeing a lot of DRM crap that's absolutely driving me crazy. So, <sighs> Hey. I'm staying away from new games on the PC because most of them won't run on my computer. So I buy old PC games. Old PC. And there's nothing... I love old PC games. I'm a big fan or, of GOG. Or indie games. Indie games are also awesome, which yes, GOG supports very, very well as well. I'm a big fan of GOG. Uh, but some of them only come out on Steam, of course, so you got to go there as well. Anyway, uh, we digress. Let's, let's, do, uh, let's do our... Person by person wrap up. Let's talk with Mr. Nathan Schlothen. What you doing lately, my friend? Play anything fun, cool, new, interesting, do anything fun on the site that you want to share with our with our thousands, nay millions of listeners? Um I really don't know what to say much at the moment. Playing through old games, playing through new games, playing the import games. Uh Usually, I'm doing my usual habit of juggling like five games at once and not doing a good job of it. <laughs> yeah, sure you sound a lot like that. me. <laughs> yeah, I'm right there with you. Uh, any anyone in particular that you're liking more than the other others? Well, there's. I guess I'm playing Crowdlancer three a lot right now. I'm finally getting around to it after owning it for like a decade. Hmm. And and having a lot of fun with it. You so. liking that one, Crowdlancer? Is that uh, which system is that one on? PS2. Kind of look, some people call it looking like a PS1 game, but it's a PS2 game. Okay. So, uh, did you play Groundlander 2 before this, or is this the first yeah, one? Yeah, that's why. I, this is the first. I played Groundlander 2, and that's why it's taking so long to get to 3. I wanted to beat 2 first, and it took forever to get through that for I don't know why. Is that part like of the Grow, Grow Lancer Generations deal on the yeah. PlayStation 2? Okay. That was Working Design Swan Song. Yep. Got it. Mm-hmm. Okay. That one's in my backlog. Yes, it's uh, number 712. But it's in there. <laughs> it will get to it by the time I'm 63. If you've got Heroes of Mana in your backlog, Phil, just take it right out of there, and that makes Growlins of Generations number 7111. Do I have Heroes of Mana? Uh, i got Heroes of Might and Magic. No, I think you're all set on Heroes of Mana. Heroes of the Annihilated Good. Empire. But no, no, uh, yeah. No, we took that guy out. Uh, do anything uh, new on the site lately? Uh, <laughs> lately that you want to share, Nate? Well, okay, I'll admit I'm finally kind of biting the bullet and trying to make my own RPG through RPG Maker, but ah. that's a work in progress. And are you Still using the VX? 
VX Ace, yeah. Yeah, VX Ace. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's right. It's VX Ace now. And and is it is it easy easier to use? Is it? Is it... I don't know how to compare it to VX. It's been too long since I used XP to really compare, but mm-hmm. it's got some great strengths, but also some really big drawbacks. It's hard to work around to do what I want. Maybe I'm being too ambitious. I don't know, but it's hard to get to do to do what I want. What are some of the roadblocks you're facing? Um, you know how in Chrono Trigger you can make an enemy weaker by setting his hammer on fire? That kind of thing? Mm-hmm. That's really hard to do with mm-hmm. VX Ace. That kind of thing. Mm. Hmm. It doesn't check data at certain times to make it really possible to do some of the stuff I want. It's really yeah. frustrating. I can relate. I, I spent a little time way back, I think, on XP or one of the other ones, but uh, yeah, I can relate. You start making an RPG, but then you get some really cool idea and you can't figure out how to do it in a system, so and then you look up on the boards and stuff and people start telling me I have to get to know the Ruby language, and I can never quite figure that out either. Hmm. Yeah, it's, Ruby scripting is still the beyond me. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to get some interesting stuff out of event scripting, though. I'm really proud of Cool. I need to put a lot more work in it before I can show anyone, though. Awesome, and yeah, there's some there's some really good. I mean, I I have seen some very decent uh, games made with RPG uh, Maker out there. So uh, let's see here. What about you, Mister Apps? Uh, well, I finally managed to uh, finish that evil dungeon crawler Elmenage and uh, reviewed that. Thank you. Um, you know, it's uh, very old school to a fault, uh, but uh, if you can manage that kind of thing, there is some pretty fun late game stuff. So, um, you know, I gave it a two out of five. Um, but if you're interested in the game, I recommend reading my whole review and uh, trying to judge for yourself uh, whether or not it's for you. And I guess apparently. Uh, which is quite unheard of. There's they're working on a patch for the game, though I'm not sure exactly what that's going to fix. Um, the game actually, some of the races in the game are actually like mislabeled, so hopefully that would be one of the things that they would patch. Hmm, that would yes. be helpful to patch. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I've also been uh, after the. New 3DS Castlevania come out, came out. Been playing a ton of Castlevania, uh, including I just finally finished the original Lords of Shadow, and had a bl- absolute blast with it. So, so, so have you played? Have you played the 3DS one yet? Yes, I have played the 3DS one. And, and what's your impression on that so far? Uh, it's weird. Um, it, uh, it's a fun game, but. There's some issues with it, you know, first of all, that being uh, 2D gameplay style Castlevania, it kind of creates expectations uh, that it definitely does not meet because it does not play like the classic 2D Castlevanias. It plays like they took Lords of Shadow and made it 2D for the most part. So, you know, since, you know, they're presenting it in 2D, uh, it... You know, it kind of creates that expectation in your mind, and uh, it's just weird. Like, um, when I first played the demo, you know, started started up, and there's, like, some candles or something right there. So, obviously, the first thing I did was try and whip right, them. Right, right. Uh, obviously, nothing <laughs> happens there. 
but you know it's it's a pretty good game um there's um i wish that they weren't uh moving on from castlevania after uh the upcoming lords of shadow 2 because i feel like they could make a much better game uh a much better 2d game with like a second go around because you know, it, it almost they come so close to making like a an excellent game that you know it's just a little disappointing but uh taking the game on its own it's it's pretty fun you know you just have to go in you know knowing that this isn't this isn't going to be one of those metroidvania castlevanias you know this is pretty linear and action oriented um but if you keep an open mind about it it's pretty fun and definitely worth the time if you're a castlevania fan Hi. Yeah. Okay. That's interesting. Oh, yeah. Because I did. I played the demo, and I did the exact same thing. I'm like, yep. Where's my hearts from these candles? Taking them, whipping them. I'm not seeing any candles. Where are they at? Yeah. And, um, yeah. You know, it's un- it's unfortunate, but you know, they kind of create that expect expectation themselves. You know, it's not like it- it's unfair to expect that because they put it right there. You know. It's a 2D style game. It's you know they're creating that expectation. So I don't know. I feel like they could have done a better job in making it clear that you know this isn't going to play like a, a classic Castlevania, like like Symphony of the Night or yeah. Circle of the Moon or yeah. I mean, you know, right, yeah. right right away, one of the characters in the game is Alucard. So you you know it it kind of. Uh, create it kind of creates these expectations that there's no way it could meet but you know it, it they kind of did that to themselves you know it's not like uh it, it's unfair you know they're using these classic castlevania characters and and you know cr- kind of creating that for themselves but you know like i said it, it's it's a pretty fun game it's kind of a take on Castlevania 1 and Castlevania 3 in the... Um, what about Castlevania 4? Uh, well, Castlevania... Is, is the whip control as good as in 4? Um, I'm going to say yes. You know, you can't, like... You can't uh, whip in specific directions necessarily, but the combat... Uh, you get, like, a, you know... Like a straightforward attack and kind of an area attack that kind of whips whips around above and around you, so uh, it has it, it's not like uh, some of the earlier games where you you know you can only whip forward and that's it. So uh, combat in this game is 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 uh, definitely a lot more towards Castlevania Four, I guess you would say, but it, it's basically okay. like Lords of Shadow in two D, uh, which is. Uh, if you've played something like God of War or probably the PS2 Castlevania, um, you just gotta imagine that in 2D, and that's about what it is. You know, it, it's combo-oriented, kind of like you know, Gods of War, Devil May Cry, that kind of thing. You know, it's really cool in a demo when there's like you you fight a couple of small things, and then there's like a like a bigger thing behind those few small things and it continuously kicks your rear end over and over again it's like the whole game like that because I played the demo for all the 15 minutes and gave up because I'm like gosh if the demo's kicking my butt you know in the first 15 minutes I don't even know what happens if I actually see a boss in this thing uh no the, the, it's 
it's definitely not as hard as that demo. Uh, the bosses are tough, but you know there's checkpoints at certain points where if you die, you're going to start back at that point. So it's very forgiving. Uh, the bosses are definitely challenging in the game, but not not as challenging as that one is uh, early on in the game. They kind of build up and get harder as you go along. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, it's like, like I said, it's an it's an interesting kind of sort of take on the stories of Castlevania 1 and Castlevania 3 in the alternate Lords of Shadow storyline, so, you know, especially if you're interested uh, in Castlevania storylines, it, it'll definitely be right up your alley. Cool. So, but in addition to that, I've also finally been trying to get myself into the uh, DS games, which I've never really been able to get into, and um, finally having a lot of fun with uh, Order of Ecclesia. Oh, yeah, I reviewed that. That was like the first game I reviewed for the site, I think. Was it? Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm, see, that's how they, that's how they got that me in. They're like, Phil, yeah. reviewed this game, and I reviewed I'm like, woohoo, <laughs> this is a lot of fun. Oh, yeah, sign me up for more, and then they gave me Dark Spire and Dokapon <laughs> Kingdom. And, and, and that, From the Abyss. Oh, don't even say, oh, my, don't even say that one. Oh, man. I still really like Portrait of Ruin. Yeah, yeah that that one kind of turned me off, but I'm going to give that, you know, I don't know why that game turned me off when I originally tried it, but I'm going to give that one another shot. I, I Dawn think. of Sorrow was good. Just be prepared for a couple of annoying mandatory touchscreen things. Because, yeah, you know, gonna... it, was, it was early DS, so let's use that touchscreen regardless of whether it works. <laughs> yeah, but I'm probably actually going to try uh, Aria before I get to Dawn. Okay. Yeah, yeah Aria is, is a very good game. Yeah, but you know, whatever problems with uh, this new 3DS game, it at least made me go back to these DS games, which I'm really glad about, uh, because Order of Ecclesia is really, really good. And um, uh, it, I wish they would go back to do more of these, because I feel like they can kind of expand on some of the ideas from that game and make something even better. Yeah, you know, there's this, definitely... This, Definitely room for more. Yeah. Um, at least in my opinion. I mean, it's just that would just be a an easy home run, or gosh, even a real Metroid game on the 3DS and in real 3D graphics. How cool would that be? Yes. Oh my gosh, I think I just had an orgasm. Anyway, Metroid, so Metroid Prime 3DS. Ooh. Oh. Uh, wow, that, that's just scary. So, um, anything you're doing on the uh, site lately you want to share? Uh, nothing other than nothing really other than Q and A. Though uh, I'm gonna try and finally finish uh, Panzer Dragon Saga soon, and I'd like to do a retro review of that. So that may be coming in the near future. It's not a long game. No, it's not a long game, and you know the only reason I never finished it back in the day was because the because you didn't have. You didn't have access to your own copy, right? Right, and the, my friend's copy had a defective fourth disc. So, you know, I had come close. Uh, I kind of had a playthrough coming along last year, and then uh, the battery on my Saturn died, and I lost my save. So now I've got it set up with my uh, action replay where I can save a backup on that in case that happens again. Action so replay. It's got your back. Hopefully this time I will finally finish it. Yeah, the Saturn's battery lasts a couple of years, but it, it dies regularly. Yeah. 
And, you know, you can get an actual memory cart, but they have become so rare that they're, they're just not worth it to buy one. There, yeah, I think I got mine when they were at least 50 bucks. They're probably oh, more now. <sighs> but, yeah, that's about it. You know, as usual, please send me Q&A, especially if it's about um, Breath of Fire Dragon Quarter, because we've been talking about that recently. And Ooh, I'd love to. What well, brought that game up? More. Um, some fans were doing some campaign uh, about bringing back the Breath of Fire series or something. Ah. And I think I said how I'd want another Dragon Quarter, and I think maybe somebody mentioned something negative about it on Twitter, what? and it, I think it kind of went from there. Negative about Dragon Quarter, burn him at the stake. Holy cow! You want to talk about negative? Let's no. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna talk about <laughs> face stream saga again. <laughs> evil game. I, I think we've given Phil a new subject that will consume <laughs> him for the next few episodes. Evil game. Anywho, mm, what about you, Mister Minky? Phil, I'm just going to start sending you random tweets of faceless characters from Grand Stream Saga. You know, I, I should pay attention to my tweet, whatever it's called, Twitter thingy. And I check it, like, maybe once a week or so. I, I'm not really a, you know, I, mean, I do a lot more probably on Facebook because of what I do at Pathfinder, but... <coughs> Go ahead. Go right ahead. Tweet away. <laughs> so how about you, Mr. Okay. Minky? You tweeting about anything? Usually not, although I did tweet a whole lot when the Academy Awards were presented, and uh, I apparently entertained a few people. Mostly I entertained myself. You can't watch the Academy Awards with a straight face, or at least I can't. <laughs> well, how am I supposed to... There was, there was a rumor that all six Bonds were going to be there, and what do we get instead of a clip show? I'm sorry, that's lame. Yeah, that was anyway. pretty lame. Okay. Well, I did just finish Terranigma, which is why it was fairly fresh in my mind. I'll have a retro review up of that very soon. I might have had it up already if Mac hadn't sent me Etrian Odyssey 4 for review, and right now I'm plumbing through. Apparently you need to go through a hidden area that winds through all four main dungeons before you can get into the bulk of the fifth dungeon, which is Ooh. what I'm doing right now. And as someone who has never played an Etrian Odyssey... This is quite fun. You, <laughs> I will say this. The inventory really annoys me when enemies freely drop things with every battle and suddenly this, that 60 item limit comes roaring up to meet me and I don't like it. It rears its ugly head, huh? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't remember. I don't remember. I've played, I've played uh, one quite a bit. I don't. I guess they've changed a lot, obviously, over three iterations, four iterations, but... I don't remember getting a lot of items in that one, but yeah, it's always had that evil little item limit. Well, especially when you don't get money from the enemies, they give you things that you sell to the store, and then those things are turned into uh, fuel for your new equipment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so four, four also has like farming points, so you you can get a lot more items from that than uh, the original game. Yeah, because you had to. I had to put like in the original game. I had to spend a lot of skill points in there, mining and herbalism and stuff. And I, I usually would have like a little group on the side just to go and farm a bunch of crap and run back to town and sell it. That was always cute. 
Yeah, it, it's certainly not as aggravating as it could be because the dungeons are full of one way at first, but once you find the other way, you can just take that these little shortcuts all over the place. And there are a few... I forget what they call them, these gigantic pillars that fly up into the sky that let you go back to town instantly. Uh, spires or something? I'm trying to remember if those are called spires or not. Energy spires? I don't know. Yeah. Um, the music is flat-out gorgeous in this game. I love it. Yuzo Koshiro deserves all the credit you can give him for that. And... I don't think it will make anyone who absolutely demands speaking characters who go through deep personal crises in their RPGs like this. But if you have any sort of inclination to like a game where the thrill of discovery is upon you all the time, this will do it. This is really good at that. And let's see. I'm going to have to start up Jade Empire pretty soon. I know it's not a very long game, but there's a bunch of crap coming up the next couple of weeks, so I'm going to struggle to play it before we do that episode. And I will mention a few movies, because that's what I always do. I will mention Tall in the Saddle, because John Wayne is awesome, and any movie where a fool stands out in the street, challenges John Wayne, John Wayne marches over and says... Touch that gun and I'll kill you. Well, that's a good moment. John Wayne is cool. I will mention A Night at the Opera and A Day at the Races because I had never seen them and because if you have any liking for the Marx Brothers, these are really funny. Except for the plot, but nobody cares about that in a Marx Brothers movie. And I will mention one other. What could it be? It could be Benny and June, which is a 90s movie starring a young Johnny Depp, even though he still looks pretty young, where because he's just got this such great personality, he finds June and her mental illness just clears up like that. Because that's how things work. (laughs) If you're loved, then your mental illness will resolve itself. Everybody knows that. Like, yeah. Um, I'll hold off from there, though. That leaves it for you, Phil. Well, that's what happened. I had this really bad, you know, problem. I wouldn't say it was a mental problem, but, you know, like, like people look at me and say, you have no face. And then one day I talked to Mike Meeky and it all cleared up. And now I have a face again. Thanks, Mike. You're welcome. You're I'm awesome. happy to be of service. Anybody out there who is suffering from a lack of face, talk to me. I'll clear it up for you. There you go. So, um, one of the things I like to talk about is, is you know, kind of uh, what's going, you know, on GOG as far as how it pertains to to RPGs and stuff. Way back, way, way, way back in the day. Um, gosh, dang, it was a long time ago. <laughs> um, yeah, it was probably well. It was released. This this particular game was released January first, nineteen ninety one. So, um, and at the time, I was uh, I was in um, high school, and we had uh, computers around there and PC computers and stuff. And we would take games in on our floppy disk and sometimes play in the computer lab. Um, and there was a, there was a game where you played basically a wizard, 
and you would go around um, these, you know, dungeons, which were 2D uh, mazes of sorts, and you would shoot, you know, fireballs and stuff against these critters that were running all over the place. And then later on, they came out with a, sequ- a sequel or two that was a more uh, 3D game that looked a lot like, uh, as far as the quality of graphics goes, it looked like Wolfenstein. Um, but instead of you know Nazi German soldiers using a machine gun, you would use magic and uh, and uh, and be fighting things like uh, harpies and trolls and the such and dragons walking around the sewers. But it was still the same, you know, first person. I mean, it's essentially a first person shooter. But you know, being a big fan of D and D and stuff, it felt you know more like a the very early version of Fallout Three to me. And the series is called Catacombs. And it's on GOG. I, when this thing hit GOG, I was like, my jaw hit the ground. This is like so old school, it's not even funny. Um, the download size is all of 14 megabytes, and that's got to be because they got the self-installer in there. Because back in the day, these things would have fit on 720K floppy disk. Um, but it was just, yeah, this is just classic, classic gaming. Um, and um, so you can get that on GOG now for 599 uh, but it's just, yeah, that is super, super classy. And the fact that they've got that out on there and got that working with Windows XP Vista 7 and 8 is really cool. So if you want to go and, and check that out, you can kind of see some of the games that uh, I grew up with on the PC anyways. Still got my fingers crossed for Gold Box D&D games. You know, I can hold my breath on that one. Um, that they'll come out with that one day, but that's pretty cool. So... Aside from that, as we mentioned earlier, played some Tomb Raider. Um, really, really gorgeous game, like we mentioned before. Really, a lot of fun. You got to go check that out if you can. Um, I believe in supporting developers who make really good games, and that's one worth supporting because it's really good. Um, also, been playing a little. Um, oh my gosh, what's it called? I just totally drew a blank. Quick, quick, it's guys. Game looks like uh, Grand Theft Auto 4, but it's set in Hong Kong. Sleeping Dogs. Thank you. Sleepy Dogs, as they say on the Giant Bombcast. Yes, that is... They talk about it a lot on the on Bombcast, and uh, when my father was over, I was showing him some of the some of the games for the PlayStation 3, so I stuck that one in, and that was so much fun. The missus came sat down, and she was watching. She's like, that's just like my home. You know, she grew up in Indonesia, so... Um, <laughs> yeah, really great atmosphere in that game, so we played that one for a while, so that's really neat. Um, yeah. And... Hmm. And still working through Fire Emblem on the DS. And wait, wait. What's that? Fire Emblem on the DS? Oh, well, it's Game Boy Advance, but it's in my DS. Okay, okay. So you're working through the first English Fire Emblem. Yeah, still working right. through that. I'm on this. I don't know if it's I don't know if it's uh, Ella Woods or whatever his name's final battle for his chapter or not, but it's this really big battle where there's a big huge castle that surrounds most of the board and you start off in the middle and you're really kind of a little disadvantaged because every time you crawl through some grass area there's like five people shooting for you and i have to and i end up dying like i'm one of those people who resets it when somebody dies i'm afraid i'm gonna miss some storyline or something so uh, yeah i'm always the same yeah that is not his final battle his final battle you will know oh geez yeah his final battle will say so well that's what i thought he said this is the final fight so i'm not sure if it said that too but i don't necessarily trust don't trust it yeah just wait for the game to tell you final chapter it's very clear about that Ah. so um well and then don't you go on to what's his name story after that 
the yeah, guy with the axe, Hector, Hector he, or is that optional? Put, that's optional, but you can do it. Um, he goes through pretty much the same story, except any t- things are different, and the battles in particular are very different. Enemies are in different places, uh, and often there are different ones instead of the ones that you know were there from Elwood's run. <laughs> I mean, in half my deaths is because I get lazy, because I see a guy on the screen with a spear... So I send forward my axeman, not realizing that had I you know, clicked with the right trigger button on him, that he had an anti-axe spear that breaks all the rules. And then he moves up and strikes down my axeman with one hit. And I'm like, oh, crap. How did he destroy the axeman with one hit? Oh, because axes are normally strong in spears. Oh, it's because he had the super silver anti-axe spear. So, yeah, that kind of is a little pissy. you got to remember to check in on these guys. <laughs> a lot of guys in that board with stuff that normally wouldn't work against this guy, but it now works because they had the special whatever version. And a couple of guys with silver weapons that just totally rape you a new one. Nothing yeah, you gotta, you got to watch for that. Darn those, silver bows. Those, those, yeah. uh, those axe reavers, those sword reavers, they're dangerous. Yeah, axe no, reavers. Those are killer weapons. Those are kind of scary. So, but nothing's quite as scary as From the New World. Mr. Minky and all y'all have heard the story before, but my audience <laughs> hasn't heard the story yet. So, got a bit frustrated with it because we've been bragging about Shadow Hearts for a little while now. We, talk, we had a show about it just not too long ago. So, I've been trying to get through the, uh, the series in celebration of that. I'm about halfway, I think I'm about halfway through From the New World. I'm about level 22. That's, that sounds right. If you're in the Incan, Incan Temple. Or- Incan, Inkle Temple. But that really, that should be called the Incan, Incan table, uh, Temple of, 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 of Ripia, new one. Because uh, uh, so what happened was I had saved. I'm going in. I'm in this room where you got to change the the eye colors of the Incan statue's face to open up different doors. In English, it means you're going to be running around a lot, getting into a lot of random encounters. No big deal. But um, uh, I end up getting in this one random encounter where the enemies got to attack first. Uh, they, I forget what the hell they were. One, some of them were flying little bugs, but the, it's those, it's those crawling tick things. They're the worst because what they do is they do AOEs, but then they combo together, so you'll get like three AOEs, and of course your group's all in the middle because they surprise you. So when the enemy gets a surprise attack on you, you're double whammy because number one, they're all going to get a free turn, and number two, you're in a tight little circle, perfect for being hit with an AOE. So the little tick bastards would AOA would combo AOE me so one AOEs then another one AOEs and another one AOEs in a big chain together and then when it's the next tick's turn he combos with his friends even though his friends just went because they're comboing together they get to break the turn order and they all get to rate me again and again and again until all five four of my team members are completely wiped out and in this particular instance I didn't even get a single turn I actually sat there for a solid it must have taken almost two minutes with the controller sitting on my lap as I just watched the computer just take turn after turn after turn until I was completely and utterly wiped off the face of the planet. And nothing makes you more cranky than playing for 30 minutes since your last save and completely dying because of something you had absolutely no say-so in. There were, I should have probably seen the red flag that a couple, probably like 10 minutes beforehand, I did have one of those surprise things that wiped out like two of the four people and I end up having to retreat with the other two people because it just would have been too much trouble to try to resurrect all those people in battle and try to, you know, win the day. So you're right, Minky. It's definitely a tougher challenge. 
especially if you call getting killed before you can do anything a challenge. I call it a massacre! But I guess it isn't quite as bad as faceless people. At least they all have faces. So, Even the tick things? You know what? The tick things don't have faces. They just got lightning bolt AoEs. Air effect spells, man. Rape you a new one. Man. Uh, I, I sense some bitterness here. Just a little, yeah. Just, just a, just a teeny tiny bit. So, um, still playing uh, my Pathfinder pen and paper, the original form of RPG uh, playing way back in the day. Pen and paper, love it to death. Had a, had a TPKO total total party knockout. Didn't kill the party, but the uh, the alchemists that they were fighting held them at bay long enough to blow them. Alchemist and Pathfinder have alchemical bombs. They just mix these little vials together, throw them at your feet, and it blows up in a small fireball or acid ball or whatever element they, they lean towards. And uh, and I had a whole group basically get knocked out. So and it was the final boss of that particular day-long adventure. It's uh, In Pathfinder Society, they do have these uh, things called modules that can go on for 8 to 12 hours and gain your character an entire level. And so they had been playing for eight hours straight, and this was the final boss, and they just couldn't quite pull it over her. So she wiped them all out, KO'd them. It wasn't in her profile to really uh, go ahead and kill them. She was more concerned about getting away with all of her elite loot, which she did, which means the party didn't get a lot of gold after that. But at least they still won and got away with their lives, because death in Pathfinder Society stings an awful lot. Because you either have to pay a metric ton of gold or prestige to resurrect your character or you start over again from level one so it's almost like playing on hardcore mode so yeah fun times so we're still having lots of fun with that and i think that's all for me we talked about the next show mr nathan mr apps thank you so much for being on we certainly appreciate it Always happy to no be here. Problem. Right, we're we're coming. Yeah, thanks for being here. Yeah, we're coming up. Uh, you know, uh, we're number episode number ninety is coming up next, and uh, and then we're gonna be starting. I'm gonna be starting. I don't know if Mike wants to join me on this, but I'm gonna be starting my top ten RPGs, my personal picks. Everyone's got their own top ten list. I'm gonna do one per show from ninety one to the big. One zero zero. We're coming up on backtrack number one hundred. It is so hard to believe that we've almost done a hundred of these things, Mike. Well, we've done really ninety because you know y'all did some beforehand that I really wasn't a part of. But but it's a hundred backtracks altogether. So yep, that is totally awesome and cool and stuff. So that will be. Uh, but we're coming up on that really soon. Until then, let me give you the official disclaimer. RPG Backtrack is a production of RP Gamer, your source for RPG news, impressions, reviews, articles, and home to the best gaming community on the net. Write your questions and comments on our boards or email me, jcservant at cyberlightcomics.com, and help shape our future shows. Don't forget to follow us at twitter.com slash rpgamer, and I'm also at twitter.com slash jcservant, and become our biggest fans at facebook.com slash rpgamer. And and I, do you even do you have a Facebook page, Mike? I know we never mentioned this. I do this. not. I have uh, Facebook.com forward slash JC Servant. It comes up Philip Willis. Um, but it's I just, do not have Facebook. Yeah, you don't have a Facebook page. And Mike Mike's hiding. He doesn't want to be known by the public. But anyways, and then of course we have uh, Facebook.com slash RP Gamer. I, I need to find a way to become a fan of that. Or so. I thought it's I, weird. My, my it's, parents have Facebook. I don't. <sighs> You know, I, I, let me see, RP Gamer. See, I'm always talking about the RP Gamer Facebook page. I just, 
I like it. Yes, I like it. I don't ever get any updates from it, though. It's weird. Anyway, anyways, go and like it or friend it or whatever it is you do with these social media websites because we like to hear from you. Go to iTunes, look up RPG Backtrack, and leave us lots of positive comments. Don't leave us bad comments. It makes us sad. Yeah. <laughs> so If you do that, then Phil will have to send you pictures of the faceless ones. Faceless ones, ones. yeah. That's our new <laughs> form of punishment. <laughs> We've got our huge catalog of uh, back shows at RPG Backtrack. And the really cool thing about, you know, there's lots of video game podcasts that are out there. But and you can go back and listen to, let's say, you know, IGN podcast and Bombcast and all those other big ones. But the thing is, when you listen to old ones, they're already out of date. But when you listen to Backtrack, they're timeless because we're talking about classic RPGs. So listen to that huge library as well as our awesome sister show, RPG Cast. It's all at RPGamer.com. Mr. Mike, can you put us to bed with a smile on our faceless faces? Well, I could blaze your soul to do that. I could perform an illusory technique on Gaia. I could show you the enigma of Terra. Or I could just throw your face into the grand stream and we'll see exactly what happens. Any one of those is a good way to put people to bed. Thank you.